Hi listeners and welcome to a new episode of the Learning Podcast. That we are living in a time of global challenges and accelerating change can't have escaped you. Not a day goes by when we don't hear about climate change, economic uncertainties, food and water insecurity, socio-economic divides or unsustainable use of natural resources. There are many initiatives from the United Nations 17 Sustainable Development Goals to grassroots movements that mobilize many. But there is also inertia, skepticism and outright denial. How can we tackle these large and complex problems and begin to live more sustainably? There's got to be massive learning and unlearning involved. But do we even know what needs to be learned? How will education have to change and where will the training come from? To help me make sense of this, I've invited Ken Wilson, entrepreneur and industry executive with a deep personal interest in sustainability and social impact enterprises. Ken Wilson started as an aircraft maintenance engineer with the Royal Australian Air Force, then moved on to other roles in the aerospace sector. Ken also co-founded and was the general manager of a specialist training and project management company focused on the aviation sector. When Ken joined the trustee board of a large corporate pension fund, it sparked an interest in the need to save for the future. Around five years ago, he shifted focus and became an angel and seed stage investor in businesses that aim to create social and environmental impact. Ken is currently active as a board member and advisor in several for-profit and not-for-profit initiatives in the sustainability sector. He is also the co-founder of Concio and Impact Planet, two early-stage businesses that aim to enable professional development solutions that address current challenges. Ken Wilson is mindful and passionate about building initiatives that can contribute to better to a better global future. I'm excited about what I learned from this conversation. Hello, Ken, and welcome to the the Learning Podcast. Thank you, Anna. Thanks very much for the invitation. What made you interested in social impact and sustainability? I guess having spent many years in um, the aerospace sector and, and before that in defence, I'd come to, eventually come to a realisation, I think, that um, I needed to contribute something different um, to, I, I guess, my own well-being, but equally to um, to those around me. And I didn't really know where to start. And um, I was looking for kind of like a career shift um, and started to learn a little bit more about uh, sustainability issues in general. And it, you know, it's a very broad topic. It's very some very complex topics. Um, but the, the more I learned, I guess, um, the more I became interested in the idea that we can have a more sustainable planet and sustainable economies for the next generations. So at that, my, at that time, my, my children were in their um, late teens and early 20s. And I'm thinking, well, what, you know, what's the future for them? Uh, what's the planet going to look like in, in, in 40 years' time? And I just sort of kicked off 
uh, researching a little around sustainability in general and started doing some um, some small uh, short programs on um, things like impact investing and looking at well you know if I've got money saved how do I um, utilize that money for uh, some positive impact uh, in the world rather than um, using it to fund for example fossil fuel extraction so that that was kind of where the seed of of sustainability and, and social impact interests came from. Um, how would you describe or define this relatively new sector? It's so hard to explain, I think, and so hard to define that this is probably one of the barriers that we might talk about later because, you know, we're talking about um, a system here and, you know, that we, we use phrases and we see them in the media so often, like climate change um, or take we should be taking climate action. But embedded within those sort of short phrases are some extremely complex um, dynamics. And I think that's one of the, the, the issues that, that we're facing is that for people to understand these, the, the, these complex dynamics, um, takes time and effort, and you know you can't often do it just in a soundbite. So, really, in in my mind, I try to think about these kind of three pillars of um, the environmental sustainability, which includes things like biodiversity, um, our our you know, climate impact. Um, it goes into the depth of things like ocean temperatures. Um, uh, pollution, particulates in the air, all of these things are environmental things that 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 um, impact on uh, daily lives. Um, but then we also have, uh, of course, the social pillar. So, you know, are people um, being able to live meaningful um, and fulfilled lives? Do they have even the basics of shelter, water and food? Um, do they have access to education? Healthcare, uh, so all of these things are, the, are those social pillars and more, and and I guess you know the the thing that kind of ties them together in a way is is the economy, and you know how do we create an economy that meets the demands and needs of people to live their lives, um, but also preserves and protects the the environment. So it's it's that kind of three layers or three pillars that create a system and none of them can work independently of the other. And we need to find solutions that are uh, amenable to supporting all three. Um, and that, that's kind of like the way I think about the, um, uh, the, the, the system as a whole, although that's a very simplistic uh, explanation, I realise. Do you know when uh, when this uh, sector, if I can call it that, um, started to gain interest? Um, yeah, I, I guess it has been over over the last few decades. In a way, in you know, climate scientists have been warning us for for thirty or forty years uh, about the, the the pending dangers, and there was obviously. Um, a lot of efforts uh, made by vested interests to to play that down, and you know what we've now come to to know as kind of climate denialism, 
um, it's you know, there isn't really a problem. And then I think then more recently, um, you know, that that has evolved into okay. Now, for the most part, for most people, that the science we accept that we have an issue, we can see it in our in our in our news feeds every day. Uh, with you know Hawaii currently on fire again, and, and you know all of those impacts that we're uh, that we're seeing and feeling as individuals, um, and I and I guess that's maybe where people started to realise that there are complex issues at hand, and that um, we each may be able to pay a part in resolving those solutions, but we also need to. Um, create a means by which we can influence those decision makers, the, the, the political system, um, to be able to create solutions. So you know, for, for me, it's a case of recognising, um, you know, only within the last kind of 10 years, the light bulb came on and, 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 and said, oh, you know, we really need to do something about some of these things. And it's only when I started to look that, oh, there's already a whole bunch of people doing things in different sectors. So there's people addressing kind of food waste. Uh, there's, there's people uh, looking at um, carbon reduction solutions. There's people looking at um, obviously things like renewable energy. And, you know, that was something that's, that, that's um, you know, really gained traction in the last kind of 15 years. Um, and so all of these sectors are out there and exist um, looking at, how better healthcare solutions can be provided in remote and rural areas. Um, so there's a, a broad range of um, opportunities there to get involved in um, the broadly defined sustainability and impact sectors. Um, but it's just a matter, I think, of finding, you know, what what area of interest um, you, you, you might feel that you can influence um, or that you might even want to work in or participate in in some other way. Uh, so that that's kind of where I started out is just you know exploring what those things were, um, in in terms of different um, opportunities for both investment, but perhaps for involvement and in in terms of career opportunities. So you have been interested in this sector and also active in this sector for, for a number of years already. What are, in your experience, the biggest challenges and frustrations in the sector? Yeah, I think we've touched on a little bit of that already, I guess. It, it's, um, you know, for many, it's a case of not feeling like you can make a difference. Um, you know, it's gone from kind of climate denialism to Climate doomism, as, as this phrase that's popped up lately, and people say, "Well, it's all too hard." Um, you know, there's nothing I can really do about it, and I think that's a real challenge and it's a frustration because, um, you know, that feeling of um, now as an individual, and I and I and I see this with with many people I talk to as well, they kind of shrug and say, "Well, you know, that's well, there's not much I can do about it." Whether it's you know, in the at a local level, the number of homeless people on the street, um, you know, I can I can maybe you know give them a coin as I pass, uh, but you know I can't. That's all I can do, you know. That, and it's that kind of feeling, um, or at a at a, a real macro level, or well, how could I possibly you know, influence climate change when 
you know, fossil fuel companies continue to burn, um, you know, the, the vested interests that will maintain that as long as they can. Um, so I think that that kind of like creeping doomism is a challenge and it is a frustration for me when I when I talk to people in, in the sector uh, or, or those who perhaps might be looking to, to, to join the sector. So, you know, what gives me kind of hope from that, I guess, is that when you start to look at those that are taking climate action um, and everything from, um, you know, removing plastics from supply chains and um, even, you know, reducing waste, um, looking at uh, opportunities to um, reduce the impacts of uh, climate migrants and, and, and those that are being forced from their, from their lands by the impacts of climate change. People are working on solutions there. And, um, you know, they, while it's a frustration and a challenge, um, I also think we need to keep an eye on the fact that there really are um, a huge amount of people and organisations working on some of these solutions and we, we need to find ways to support them and to give additional gravity to their to their efforts, both at the, the political level, um, corporate levels, in other institutional levels, and, and as individuals. So you were active as an investor, advisor, board member, and uh, entrepreneur in this sector. And there you are focused on supporting and building enterprises. Uh, what challenges or opportunities interest you the most? Uh, I think as an investor, I'd kind of taken, a, I, I guess, an agnostic view of, of sectors and said, well, you know, there are so many challenges out there that um, I'd like to have a look at solutions within a whole range of different sectors and, and targeting different problems within the sustainability and impact space. And and so I initially took a, a very broad approach to uh, uh, to that. And, you know, there's some great organisations out there, for example, like reducing, looking at reducing waste. So um, that's everything from taking um, uh, fruit and vegetables that are rotting on farms and maybe you know, being lost through the supply chain of wholesalers and through to retails just because they're unattractive or the wrong colour, yet perfectly edible. And when you look at the number of people who are not meeting their kind of um, required calorie intake for the day in the, in, in the world, um, and on the other hand, the amount that's wasted um, in, uh, in the global supply chains for food, then you know that, that to me is a challenge and a and a mismatch that you know, can be addressed, and and there are companies out there who are who are um, who are indeed addressing that. Um, you know there are others who are looking at things like the you know, often called the sharing economy. So it's not just like oh Airbnb sharing my a room in my house to monetize, but there's things like obviously you know I have some surplus um, tin food in my house and I'm, um, you know, I'm shifting house and I, I, I don't want to take it with me. I can give it away to a neighbour, but, you know, how do we kind of like digitise the solution for that? Or it might be that, um, you know, I'm going on holiday next week and 
I've got all this stuff in my refrigerator and maybe someone in the local community can use that rather than it going in the, uh, in, in the bin. And so these kind of like sharing economy things are coming into play. And that often relates to things like, you know, trying to move from fast fashion to the circular fashion economy. Um, you know, how do we, how do we reduce waste in the amount of um, clothing and textiles that go into, into landfill? So um, some of those things where it, it's almost, almost like there's seemingly an obvious solution out there um, about, you know, doing more with less, um, you know, I think those, those kind of solutions and, and organisations are really interesting, um, even, even to the point where um, there's, there's one I know that has created a digital marketplace for using excess steel in, in Europe because it's incredible how much new steel gets produced when there's already stockpiles of very usable um, materials lying around all over the place, right? So, but nobody's kind of identifying that and bringing it together and utilising those materials that have already been produced. So, you know, companies like that that are that are looking at these solutions, I think, are uh, I think are really interesting. Hmm. There's something called impact investing. Uh, are you as an investor into that, and what is it? Yeah, definitely. Um, so that so I guess about five years ago, I thought, um, well, I've got you know, I've kind of got some savings. I've got some money invested in the stock market um, in diversified stocks, and there were some you know, oil and gas companies and and other mining and extractive companies and so on, a whole range of things. And I thought, well, what do I need to know about um, the impacts of that? That investment, and I, I started to think about it and look at it, and did a couple of short courses in impact investing, with a view to understand well, how can I shift from those regular kind of straightforward stock market investments to, I guess, what's now often called more of an ESG approach: environmental, social, and governance. So, looking at applying those kind of three lenses and saying, you know, is this an environmentally sustainable company, what are the risks around their environmental policies, um, the social impact, you know, do they have child labour in their supply chain, you know, et cetera, um, the way that it's governed in terms of their political lobbying and, and, and the like. So that was kind of like a transition towards. But then the next step is the impact investing, which is really about how could I take this investment and create positive impact, not just mitigate risk, uh, around some um, sustainability issues, for example. So if that organisation then that I'm investing is in is creating a um, contribution to, uh, for example, one of the sustainable development goals, and that might be gender equality. So um, if there's an organisation that has um, some clear metrics and a, and a theory of change that says if we provide... Um, these solutions, then here is the impact that we'll create for these women in rural Ghana, for example. And so that might be their theory of change. Here's how they they um, uh, create a solution. Here's how they implement it. And then um, here is the social impact return. Now, the impact investing bit then comes in is you also want that to, to be a financially sustainable model. So how do you create both impact 
and financial return that you want to see as an investor and have the two work closely together so that one reinforces the other so that the more impact you're creating, the more financial return, the more financial return, the more impact and so on. And and so it, it becomes a, um, uh, I think, a, a different lens that you're applying as an investor um, to the traditional investor of purely a financial return. You want to see that financial return and you want to see an impact that goes along with it. Um, and there are, I think, a growing number of organisations out there, both at the startup, small, medium, and, and now really growing and, and large companies that are uh, that are creating positive impact while generating um, some excellent financial returns. So that that's really what the the concept of impact investing is about. So there are uh, startups who already at the startup stage not only have this uh, an, um, you know an interest or goals around say social impact uh, and also put then in place kind of metrics around how to how to measure that impact. Is that correct? Yeah, quite often it's the case of um, yeah you know, at the early stage having um, like a theory, if you like, and as as the, the organisation kind of builds its service or product and they're really going out and testing um, some hypotheses and it might not be then that, you know, they'll, they'll um, have a fully grounded, um, proven theory of change about um, what their impact metrics are should be um, whether they're valid and ultimately whether they can be um, uh, validated and reported on in a very transparent way. So it's not like they have this full package fully formed, all ready to go. Here it is. It's like an evolution quite often of testing mm-hmm. those hypotheses out to see if they are creating the impact. And that usually comes down to actually engaging with the customer's the end users of the product, the the beneficiaries that might be, you know, that might be a broader group than the individuals actually using the product, and could be the you know the local community also has benefit from from this, even though you know a, a different group are the are the customer. So um, you know, it's it's really a matter, I think, of um, for early stage companies being able to to have that theory in in, in mind, and then look at how they can create that value in terms of impact, how they can measure it, and then how they can manage that, including reporting on it. And that will evolve generally over time. But I, I think the the most important thing in impact investing is looking for that intentionality. Um, and, and that's really about well, you know, what is the intention of the, the founders um, and the organisation in terms of creating impact and um, that, I think, is that you know, that intentionality where it is the key difference in impact investing versus kind of just traditional financial return investing. Is this as common in for-profit organisations? Do you think? Well, I think I, I I think historically, um, you know, it's kind of you've 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 been a, a for-profit. And that's you know you're, you're fully focused on financial returns, or you've been a not-for-profit, 
a charity, essentially an NGO, um, often termed the third sector. Um, so that has been the divide. And now I think there's a there's more of a spectrum and and part of that comes into uh, a thing I've been researching recently called the, the social economy. And the social economy really is kind of some things that have existed sometimes for, for millennia. You go back to kind of cooperatives and, and um, mutual societies and associations and you know charitable organizations that have that have you know existed in, in one form or another for, for many years. Um, but then when you start to, to push along the spectrum into to, um, social enterprises, for example, they're part of the social economy. Um, but now there's, a, 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 I think, a relatively more recent move to move towards financially sustainable enterprises. And that means they need a business model that will allow the financial returns to meet their operational needs and even then perhaps provide a return to investors, whereas the, the charity sector has traditionally relied on um, donors and grants, and they've more and more of them are finding that that isn't entirely sustainable and are looking at the social enterprise business model to say, how can we, in effect, um, create another revenue stream by generating business that provides a financial return that we can then reinvest in our impact? So, you know, I think it's an evolution and we're, we're moving more and more towards the case of having greater proportions of these social impact, environmental impact, for-profit organisations. Um, and, and, you know, the, the, the data shows us that there is an increasing number of those um, around the world in, 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 in almost every country. Sounds as if we're looking at some changes kind of in the organizational landscape or definitely. Yeah, definitely. I think there is a uh, I think there is a shift and particularly as um the the, the next generations are, are saying, well, you know, times have changed and, and you know, it might have been for your generation. You know, you could go and you know, get a job and maybe it would be a long-term job and there was a, an element of security and all of that and you, you had a, one career. And now, you know, pretty much every generation after mine is, is thinking differently now about how um, their career path would look, but also to what type of companies they um, and organisations that they might like to, uh, to, to work for. And so I think part of that shift is, that that generation, they're actually going out and starting their own impactful um, small enterprises, startups, um, looking about how they how they grow those, but with that intention at the beginning that it should be both financially sustainable and create some positive impact. So, you know, I think it is definitely a generational mind shift, um, but there's also... I think a rec growing recognition for those that have some capital to deploy that there is huge opportunity in that growing kind of generational change and and the shift towards um, towards more sustainable investing. So let's talk about Impact Planet, the the social enterprise that you have co-founded. Um, 
who do you want to help and support through Impact Planet? So we're we're starting out. Impact Planet is um, it's only a very a, a very new startup. We're still we're still working on it. It's still in the um, the early uh, early stages of um, development and testing. But essentially, we want to create um, a portal by which individuals out there can come and seek additional information about opportunities in the sustainability and impact sectors. It's often often the case our, our research has showed that there are many people who might be beginning their career or maybe mid-career and looking for a change who don't really know where the the impact and sustainability opportunities are. They don't necessarily understand the spectrum of um, organisations or um, career opportunities that might exist out there. So we're looking to help kind of guide those individuals to to gain a better understanding of of the opportunities. But then from the company's perspective, we spoke about all this kind of like growing momentum of organisations who are for purpose in some fashion whether they be um, for-profit, not-for-profit, um, or a, um, a hybrid organisation that is really focused on um, being a social enterprise that perhaps reinvests all of its profits back into its purpose. So, you know, there are, there are opportunities out there for those organisations to tap this growing um, interest from these next generations to come and join them and add value to their organisations as employees, as as co-founders, as advisors. Um, but there also isn't that mechanism or that that those tools to be able to kind of join those up so that we're finding the right kind of organisations meeting the right type of talent you know, at the right time. Um, there is a million job sites out there um, but we're looking to kind of really focus on sustainability and impact, but then not doing that in isolation. It's all about, well, how do we then engage those community members, whether they're job seekers or kind of like employers, um, engage them to share that learning, to build the greater understanding that might re- be required in terms of the foundational knowledge around sustainability and impact, and then a lot of the skills that are needed to um, to be really successful in in that in that sphere. Um, so so that's kind of where we're at at the moment, and we're we're still building the pieces of that. Um, and uh, and by uh, by October, uh, we'll be uh, we'll be releasing the the, the next key phase. Um, which is um, the experts' knowledge exchange, being able to tap into experts across a whole range of sustainability and impact areas who may be able to offer advice to individuals, whether that be some mentoring or coaching, um, advice and um, support to companies, uh, to to, uh, impact early stage or growth stage founders who are, who are looking for a particular kind of advice and support um, and then having the opportunity to to kind of bring those together in a in a in a dialogue in a way that allows 
uh, that knowledge sharing to take place. And then the, the third module to follow will then be more about bringing in some of that more formal learning course um, type structured uh, content that um, allows individuals to to go and build some of that that kind of additional traditional knowledge in a perhaps in a different way than they might have done in the past. So in many ways or in several ways, Impact Planet is focused on uh, you know, knowledge exchange or, or learning uh, in the sector. Um, uh, why is learning so important for sust sustainability and social impact? Yeah, learning, I, I, learning and uh, knowledge exchange. Yeah, that's a that's a good question. I guess you know, in, traditionally, um, you know, we're we're talking about the traditional education system, and and that provides a you know like a foundation of knowledge. And when we as we push into the kind of tertiary um, education system, it, it brings in things like research and innovation and and collaboration and so on. You'll get a certification and, and it's some level of accreditation that has been recognised. But then, you know, our approach is that there's a whole range of different ways to to learn. And while um, you know we would like to um, provide a, um, in essence, a a database of all of those traditional learning opportunities. And, and there are you know, sort of many and varied out there. Uh, we think that they're only part of the solution. Um, and we'd like to be looking at um, other opportunities to build skills, like through having a skills coach, um, from learning from the experience of a mentor, um, looking at uh, how do we bring in those kind of like diverse perspectives, I guess, to... Um, give individuals their own or help them create their own options for, for career pathways and so on. So uh, the, the training and education element, I think is really important for, uh, for impact to, you know, it helps raise awareness um, uh, around, you know, what the opportunities may be and how I might be able to contribute to, uh, to, to, to better outcomes in the world. Um, it's equipping them with kind of tools and skills that um, are needed in the impact space. And it's amazing how many people that we've spoken to in our research that said, well, you know, I've, I've spent 10 years in this organisation and like, here's my CV, but, you know, I, I don't really know how I'll fit into a, um, you know, into an impact organisation or how I might shift into sustainability. And when they look at the inventory of, of the skills and knowledge they have, so much of that is translatable and transferable across into to any sector, um, but they haven't had anyone kind of point out where those opportunities might be and help them connect the dots. And that's really what we're going to hopefully be able to do with, with Impact Planet. And part of that then in terms of training and education for, for sustainability and impact is about you know it's about influencing some of that behaviour and giving people the the knowledge and skills to really be empowered to take on perhaps some advocacy at a local level within their organisation. So 
you know, historically we've talked about entrepreneurs and intrapreneurs, intrapreneurs being those that are maybe creating some innovation within their organisation, but that can also take the role of, of, of social uh, innovation. So, you know, they can be bringing that kind of advocacy for change within their organisation, but they need to be empowered and, and, and um, enabled to do that through the, the skills and knowledge they build. And part of that then is, you know, we're looking to help try and build a global community that is a bit more resilient and in that it can call upon uh, a diverse group of, of, of people globally with different experiences to help solve problems as they emerge. So if we think about um, an approach to uh, climate mitigation in one particular location, um, that might not be exactly the right fit in another by virtue of a whole range of things, geography, um, the uh, social impact imperatives of the of the region, the the, the population, etc. Um, but there is learning there that can be translated from one uh, to another, and that that's something that we want to try and help to create that community where that knowledge exchange can take place. Um, so, yeah, that's um, that that's kind of where we see the learning and training and education and. Um, all of those related elements as a system working together to help to bring some better sustainable impactful uh, outcomes to bear. What advice would you give uh, anyone who who has already, who's in, uh, say, a corporate career, uh, looking for maybe uh, going in, yeah, seeking out a job in in. Uh, in a more sustainably focused business, um, but maybe lacking, you know, lacking in understanding where the knowledge gaps are. Maybe, maybe this is a person who don't doesn't really know the vocabulary, say, or uh, I guess it can yeah. be a little bit um, uh, difficult to get started. Do you have advice? It it is difficult to get started and. Because the, the vocabulary, the, the terminology used is something that, that might be a little alien. Um, yeah, I think there's, it, it, it's, I guess it's the old fashioned uh, now way, way of doing it is, you know, Googling it is now considered old fashioned, I'm told. And so, um, but, you know, there, there is information out there. The problem is that it can become so overwhelming um, that you it, it can kind of turn you off. And what, what we're looking to do um, with our third module of Impact Planet is, is to create some of these, you know, um, let, let's say it's uh, the Circular Economy 101, right? So, you know, here is, a, here is a brief explanation of what the circular economy is, who some of the players are, and what some of the opportunities might be. What are, what are the, some of the, the, the skills that are required in this area? Because, you know, we hear about these phrases, but then, you know, kind of like, what, well, what does that really mean to me? What might that mean as a career? Is there any opportunities there? And so we'll be looking to provide some of those um, bite-sized impact um, tools, I guess, that are, or, 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 or at least um, content repositories that you can access um, to get a, a view of what some of these issues are and when the opportunities are. 
But um, I, I think my getting back to your, your core question there about what, what advice would I give to those individuals who are maybe looking to make that change, I think the first thing is that do that kind of inventory of your, and it's not just simply taking your CV, and, but it's, it's really kind of thinking about what are the, what is the knowledge and skills that you have uh, so, you know, skills, those things that you can apply in a very practical way um, that you have um, performed in your your current and recent roles. But then looking at how those, thinking broadly about how those might be transferable to other, other sectors. So if we look at um, a job in the renewable energy sector, um, you know, what skills have you got that might translate across? And it might be, I've got a really good, you know, customer service background. Well, those skills are needed in that sector as well. It's not just having, um, you know, qualified electricians you know, installing solar panels, right? Although clearly that's very important and we need those skills. But, um, you know, there, there, there are these opportunities. And then it might be a case of, well, finding a, a, a coach or a mentor is where, our next step in, in Impact Planet to try and bring those people to bear who might be able to give you that bit of guidance. And in, in the case of a coach, often just drawing out from you what you already know, but helping you to then apply that in a way that um, will take you down a path that, that, that you think is desirable. Um, a mentor might be looking at, at taking that kind of like that longer term view with you to say, you know, where have I come from? Where am I now? Where do I want to go? And then helping you kind of, you know, guide you on that journey with 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 options. So um, that that's something that we're very keen to help bring into the into our ecosystem because we've had a lot of feedback about that very point. You know, I wanted I want to change. I want to do something different, more meaningful, but I don't know where to start. And so we're looking to kind of bring those individuals and those tools, that content to bear over the next um, next three to four months. And um, uh, if we're successful in that, um, then you know next year we'd be looking to um, roll that out in 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 kind of like a a large geography and and hopefully then into some different languages because you know we're starting in English. Um, but we recognise that there's a lot of inequality uh, in the availability of information um, to those who are non-English speakers. So, you know, when, when you go and Google these things or you, you know, search for them in some other way, of course the vast majority of the content you get back, get back is in English. So um, some friends of mine, for example, are working on um, solutions that... Um, provide access to Arabic language content. So there's, you know, 300-odd million native Arabic speakers in the world, um, another 270-odd million speak Arabic as a second language, and yet only 3% of the world's web content is in Arabic. So, you know, how do those people get access to, to the type of information that they might need to create impact at their local level? Um, to make career choices and, and you know, build knowledge. So, you know, these are just some of the things that we're, we're kind of thinking about as our, as our roadmap uh, going forward into next year. 
Thank you so much, Ken, for coming on the show and talking about this vast and complex uh, topic with me. I learned many things. Oh, thank you, Anna. It's been a, been a great pleasure um, speaking with you. So I, before I let you go here, I'd like to ask you, since this is a series of podcasts with um, with various guests, is there do you have a question that I could um, bring to another episode and try to find a guest who could help me um, uh, answer that question or at least talk about it? Something right, related uh, to learning, maybe. There's, there's so many uh, complex, <laughs> so many complex things that need to be uh, asked and uh, and addressed, isn't there? But um, you know, I I just wonder how we can um, try to uh, decouple, I, I guess, in a way. Um, the issues of kind of economic growth and and environmental degradation, and then what what learning is going to be relevant in doing that? How how do um, uh, how do we um, educate people and then give them the skills that are required? To be able to be kind of less extractive on the on the environment, but yet create a sustainable economy. So you know it's something that we're thinking about in terms of you know where are those skills needed? What is the learning? What is the underpinning knowledge? Um, because we we feel that there's we don't have an answer, but we feel there's a need to try and create sustainable economic growth. And, and even at that kind of local level, but without the environmental degradation that goes with it. So the waste, the uh, the resource extraction that's not replenished and so on. So um, the decoupling of economic growth and, and environmental degradation. But for me, the learning piece is the bit that's missing. You know, we, 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 can, we can say we can apply technologies, we can, um, you know, uh, do uh, regenerative agriculture, et cetera. But you know, who who is going to provide that that kind of like learning pathways, the expertise required, and the skills um, delivery to the individuals who who want to uh, be involved? So I don't know if that's too too big a question or uh, that's <laughs> or a too big complex question. A question. It, I'm just want to make sure I understood. Is this, this sounds almost like a new type of um, uh, entrepreneurship? And, and I think sure. it could be. I think it could be because, um, you know, historically economic growth has been by extraction essentially in one form or another or the degradation of the the environment in one form or another. And we are discovering ways and maybe even rediscovering back from history that we don't have to do that. We can look after the environment, the biodiversity, the land, the air, um, and still have a viable economy, and 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 you know be be um, gaining financial returns and having people employed. Um, so so we know that these things can happen, but to me, how do we educate people in 
the fact that those options exist that that you know here are the skills that you might need um there are organizations out there pushing uh for greater uh, involvement in in things like regenerative agriculture but where where do people get those skills where you know where's the underpinning knowledge come from um from an education and learning perspective and then how do we roll that out how do how do you disseminate that knowledge um to 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 those individuals who need it and um you know to me there there's a it's a big question but it's also you know there's a big challenge there in the learning environment um so i'm not sure if that's too big a one you might want to <laughs> park for, for another time. i i will take i will take this uh, big question with me and let's see if we can pick it up in in another episode with someone who knows more about that right. topic Uh, once again Ken Wilson thank you so much for talking to me today and the best of luck with Impact Planet thank you very much Anna it's been a pleasure that was it for this episode of the Learning Podcast my guest today was Ken Wilson one takeaway for me was learning that the organizational landscape is changing in response to the global challenges we are facing The conventional divide between the for-profits and not-for-profits is being replaced by new organizational and business models developed and adopted by enterprises that combine social, environmental and financial goals. I liked hearing that it's often easier than you think to transition into a job and career in the sustainability sector. Whatever your education or job history, you will have skills that are relevant and transferable. This episode was recorded on the 11th of August, 2023. Thank you for listening. I hope you'll tune in again.